welcome along to the Make It Count podcast. My name is David. My name's Matt. And we are the Taylor Bros. Yes, we are. Yeah. Still. So today we're going to talk about an article I read and a little bit about how that might apply to the world, right? Yep. You've read it. Indeed. What do you remember about it? I thought it was very, very fascinating. It's called something about the Luddites. Yeah, the title is What the Luddites Can Teach Us About Artificial Intelligence. Wow. Okay. What can they teach us about artificial intelligence, David? What do you remember about Luddites, if anything? Well, having read the article, I remember a little bit more than I did before. <laughs> I suppose before, I just had this sense that they were against technology. Yeah, anti-technology is used as a bit of an insult. Um, and this article explores that. And basically, the Luddites originally were English textile workers at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Wow. And they broke into factories and destroyed uh, machinery. Yeah. And they're seen as like the antithesis of progress. Indeed. Uh, but several people have looked back and said they've been given a bad rap. And that isn't the whole story of what happened. Mm. So Simon Merchant, no, not Simon Merchant, Brian Merchant, who's a different person. He, Maybe brother of Simon. He wrote a book called, a new book called Blood in the Machine, where he's exploring this and basically says that these highly skilled English textile workers, what, for first thing, they prior warned the factory owners that they were going to destroy this. But they also said that factory owners, 19th century factory owners, made a choice not to use technology to assist their highly qualified workers, mm. but to undermine them so that they would use these much bigger scale factories to um, basically drive wages down, yeah. lower the like quality and cost. Quality and cost. Yeah. And so it increased their output, but actually it was bad for workers. Yeah. And that's what the Luddite said. It's like, you've presented this as an inevitability, yeah. but actually you've made a choice to depress wages. Yeah. And, and to so, and to under and to devalue skilled workers. Yeah. So these these Luddites weren't just manual labourers that we maybe think of in the Industrial Revolution who just had that's what the, the factory owners wanted. But these people had been effectively artisans of their trade. Mm -hmm. You know, crafting you know, apprenticed for years and decades and becoming I think the technical term is a journeyman maybe of a trade, you mm -hmm. know, becoming that level of quality and care and selling your goods for a good price mm -hmm. but this is again in their from the article their contention with what was happening wasn't technology was coming in to help everything in better it was you're driving out the best quality replacing them with low quality underpaid well, yeah effectively low pay under skilled workers child labor child labor yeah i mean <laughs> that's a good point and <laughs> And therefore, you're able to still to make a massive profit because you're just producing tons and tons of low quality fabric. Mm. It doesn't matter that it's low quality because you've always got more coming. Mm. And in a sense, that might even be the beginnings of or uh, a, a step along the way of what we see today, in, especially in the fashion industry, fast fashion, designed obsolescence, this thing of it doesn't really matter that your thing breaks after a year or breaks very soon because we've got another one that's just mm. as cheap and you can buy it. And so the, the the client sees endless cheap products. It doesn't really matter that it lasts. It's not very long. But of course, we devalue everyone in that chain of production. So 
at the moment, most of the world would look at them and go, Luddites are anti-technology, they're anti-progress, they don't want this. Where actually, in their own words, they would say, the factory owners made choices that created a much bigger wealth inequality. Yeah. But that was a choice, not an inevitability, as yeah. it's been proposed. Why is that book relevant now? Like, are we just become the history podcast? No, we haven't. It, he basically, Brian Merchant, he basically says this is similar to what's happening with AI at the moment. Yes. That we've seen this in the art world where suddenly AI can generate art and movie or scripts. Generate and art. Generate, well, indeed. And writers are not necessarily worried that it, it's going to produce the next great film script. But that instead, and we've apparently already seen this from producers, is they'll put a script into some AI software. It'll create it, and then they send it to the writer to rewrite it, yeah. which means the writer doesn't have full ownership rights over it. They're just involved in the rewrite. And they're maybe they get, paid as a copy editor or something. Yeah, they get paid less. Their art is undermined. And so instead of using AI to create more equality it's been used as a bargaining against writers it's yeah. a, a chip of which to um depress their wages and that's why this conversation and that's why brian merchant basically says the luddites have never been more relevant than now yeah. because again this choice is coming up and so it was just a really interesting way of framing it that actually we could make choices that bring equality or more a closer equality. Mm. Instead, oftentimes, it seems like, and he talks about the ruling class, make choices that create a further wealth inequality. Yeah, yeah I think that's fascinating, especially in like some of the, uh, the other books. Well, the, the other book I read recently, uh, The Life We're Looking For by Andy Crouch, and he talks very much about this thing of technology and the drive that we have for technology actually is often used as a tool just purely for wealth mm -hmm. and, and growth of wealth creation doesn't necessarily mean the benefit and the flourishing of persons, of people, mm -hmm. uh, and how it, it can dehumanise all of us involved in it. And the, where you have some people making these grand claims that we've overcome war, plague and famine, that actually those things are very much still with us. Mm. But our response to those who are suffering wealth, plague and famine very much tells us something about our humanity. And I think that's in a sense, without trying to overblow it too much, we are in a space where lots of people are going, what does it mean to be human? I mean, that's a question that's been going for thousands of years anyway, but in the light of artificial intelligence, where we have machines which can produce stuff that looks like intelligence to us. And I think that's, again, some of the stuff I've read. It's very important to remember the A in artificial intelligence, isn't it? It's artificial. It's not actually real or, or I suppose, what we might say embodied or personal intelligence, mm. which is what Andy Crouch says in that book. And we're going to do a, uh, an episode on that soon anyway. So. Yeah, definitely. So I suppose it was interesting because, one, it seems like technology rarely does actually replace people. We still need people for operation of the world, really, to make the world run and to use the machines and the technology that we have. Mm. But actually, that oftentimes 
there's been choices that have made that technology creates that further wealth inequality that drives down wages and it's difficult because so much of the world seems to be about hey can we be more efficient can we be more economic you know and the businessification of the world yeah. that everything should be run commercially even you know public sector places like the the health sector and um, education yeah. is about hey how can we make this commercially viable and it's like well in education we're trying to grow a child to become a person mm. it's does that does that match out on the bottom line ultimately like is that is that what it's really ultimately about and yeah. so uh but yeah where do you see this crossover into your life and how does this help you make it count mm. great question take a step back i think what you were just saying is really helpful and it's important to, to center center in on for a second you know some domains or maybe lots of domains aren't really best expressed or best analysed through a business frame. So education. Is the student, you know, the customer? Are they, you know, are, is the student a customer and the school or the higher education institute a the, the, um, the business who provides that, the provider of that? You know, same with healthcare. Is healthcare a selling and a buying process where the patient is the customer? I'm not sure that gets us the best we, we're looking for. Mm. Yes, it gets some people inordinately rich, but it doesn't actually provide the flourishing we're looking for. Case in point, you know, some of the, well, America and, and, and the UK, some of the wealthiest nations that have ever existed, some of the most medicalized societies that have ever existed, and yet we wouldn't exactly say we're flourishing on the peak of human health. Mm. We we are actually in... in, in it's, a stack of crises all on top of one another, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and I say oh, art is a great example, you know, and it's not surprising that you have, we've seen this year, the writers' strikes and the actors' strikes because this is in play. And at this point, we're going, we can see a different road forward. Mm. We, can, we don't have to plough this road that the industrialists of the 18th and 19th century said technology replaces the skilled worker and basically makes everything cheap and brilliant uh well actually not brilliant just cheap for us and it doesn't really matter that quality is not there mm. so i think for me where it counts or how how i'm seeing this count is i obviously want to stay apprised of some of these tools in my work as an engineer but i also want to be thinking about and, and engaging with others who are interested in how can we make tech work for the flourishing of humans and not just the increase, yeah, uh, increasing wealth gap and that incredible wealth producing capacity mm -hmm. for an increasingly small number, number of people. people. Yeah. And I suppose that I was thinking, you know, for me, something similar to that, but actually we all have a choice of whether we partake in that or not yeah. about how we use technology in, in, intentionally or otherwise. And that, you know, maybe there are times when I'll now be aware of that choice more clearly. Yeah. And hopefully I will choose, hey, maybe even if it's a bit more expensive. The most important thing yeah. here isn't about my my pocket, whether I have money in the pocket necessarily, but actually if I if I can help personhood, really, yeah. and on that dignity of people and, and, and what maybe even causes I support. Yeah. I think for me... Uh, to touch on one more phrase from Andy Crouch's book, because I think it touches on this. So I 
I've obviously been in pottery this year, took taken a pottery class on the weekends, really enjoying it, and I'm starting to develop that craft a little bit. What I've seen is in the making of a few mugs that I've sent to a couple of friends, it's like, it takes a lot of time actually to do that. And do they come out exactly identical in perfect form? No. If you want to get perfect form, identical mugs, go to, you know, Wix or go to your local supermarket or whatever and just buy a set of mugs that are identical. They were made by a machine and that's what, that's what you're going to get. But if you want something that is personal, then get something from a craftsman mm-hmm. and, and or a craftswoman. And the, the difference that Andy Crouch said in his book was there's a difference between personalized and personal. Mm. And so much of what we're seeing in today's markets is attempts to make things personalized. This is this is individualized for you, but it's still a mass market thing. Yeah, just put your name on it. It's not it's not mass produced. It's mass personalized. Mm. And they've just made. And I think we want to make the next a step back to actually make it personal, mm. personal to you. And and those are the things. And I, I I love the idea of exactly yeah. Like, do I really need another cheap set of shoes or cheap this or cheap that? I would rather pay higher quality or pay for higher quality knowing that that money is also helping everyone down that mm-hmm. chain. And of course, that's complex. There's, you know, things about fair trade and Rainforest Alliance and everything. I don't know the ins and outs of that, but we can try. Mm-hmm. And if we try, we're sending a message with our lives. Are you saying don't be another person with just another standard IKEA piece of artwork on your wall? <laughs> No further no comment. <laughs> but that's it for today. Let us know what you think about this conversation. We'll put the mm. article in the show notes. show notes. Have a read of that. It's about a six to eight minute read, yeah. depending on how quickly you read or how much time you want to mull on it. I found it really interesting. Um, hopefully we've helped make that a bit more practical for yeah. you in this working out. And if you found this episode interesting, send it to someone who you think might also find it interesting. Yeah, that's all from us this week. Go make it count.